Bible reading is found in Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. This can be found on page 1054 in the Bibles. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he cried, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his words. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. It's, it's great. It's great to be with you. And uh, I have to say, it's especially great to see Robin out of hospital. So do um, keep your Bibles out um, So, um, uh, if you want to just uh, follow it as we're um, going to study this passage together. But uh, first of all, uh, we've got a clip to look at. Great pageantry. I absolutely love it. And I think as Brits, we do it so well. But in the background, of course, there is so much preparation, isn't it? Someone has gone through every single minute of the day and choreographed 
every move and practiced everything ready for the uh, for the big day and as a crowd well we just turn up and uh, we wave our flags and we watch the procession go past uh, feel happy and uh, then we go home but what do we express about ourselves why are we there i mean some people don't like it but those that, that do are we part of something greater or are we sort of buying into this system of power or are we hoping for peace and prosperity? But we sing, send her victorious, happy and glorious, long to reign over us. God save the queen. Well, for Jesus, he is arriving in his, as a king, to his great holy city for his coronation. But it is a purposefully humble and low-key entrance. So just to put this in context, Luke, he's a very clever storyteller. And uh, he has put, in with Jesus' ministry, he has put Jerusalem at the center of, of his story. And so the tension in this story as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, this particular Passover has been building up. So we've seen in, uh, in Luke 9, we've read about the transfiguration, and there was Jesus. He was speaking to Moses about his departure, and that departure word is the same as exodus. So Jesus was preparing for an exodus, just like Moses, and he was preparing to do battle, not just with Egyptian gods, but with all of them. So Jesus had resolutely set out for Jerusalem, even though he knows what's going to await him. So he's already had some warning from the Pharisees in chapter 13 to say that King Herod wanted to kill him. And Jesus has already expressed his sorrow over Jerusalem, how he had longed to gather them up um, together, but they just were not willing so Jesus knows that prophets tend to get killed in Jerusalem. And Luke also, just before this story, has told the parable of the ten minas, miners, just before, which features a king whom his servants hated. And they say, we do not want this man to be our king. So if this was a BBC broadcast covering the Passover festival, we might have Hugh Edwards in the studio, and maybe we'd have Lise Doucette on the ground. So Richard's going to be Hugh. I'm going to Lise. We're not doing the accents, okay? So, Lise, describe the mood for us in the crowd. Oh, yes, Hugh. The pilgrims are approaching Jerusalem now on the final day of the journey. It's a lovely spring day here, and the people have come from all over the country for Passover. It's an exuberant crowd, I would say, Hugh, but there is a particular buzz as people are talking about the man Jesus, especially those pilgrims from Galilee. People I've talked to have a sense, Hugh, that something big is happening this year. It seems to be what the people are looking for. Shalom for themselves and their country and liberation from the Roman occupation. 
Oh, in fact, you, we've just seen Jesus riding past on the colt of a donkey. And people have put their cloaks on the donkey and also on the ground for him. And their singing has reached a crescendo. It's like a rugby match, you. Now, there is an electric current of expectation running through the crowd. All the Roman soldiers are beginning to look a bit concerned and the religious leaders have come out of the city. They are appealing for calm. They don't want this to turn into a riot with this massive crowd presence. Back to you in the studio, Hugh. Thank you so much, Lise Doucette, our correspondent in Jerusalem there. Well, it is interesting that Lise mentioned the cult and cloaks and the singing there. Our researchers tell us that Jesus has, in fact, fulfilled over 300 prophecies in the Bible concerning the coming of the Messiah. A verse in the book of Zechariah, written nearly 600 years ago, in chapter 9, speaks of Zion's king as coming on an ass's colt as a king of peace. The colt hadn't been ridden before, and that is a sign of purity and sacredness, and the spreading of cloaks is similar to King Jehu in Two Kings. The songs they are singing are, of course, the Hallel Psalms, sung at major celebrations, praising God for his mighty works in rescuing Israel and liberating them from Egyptian slavery, which, of course, is what Passover is all about. Maybe another liberation is on the cards with this man Jesus. Could this be the beginning of another Jewish spring? We will keep you informed of developments. And now for some other news. So how does Jesus present himself as king and messiah? So through the passage he, uh, and, uh, and the gospel, throughout his life, so that we had his birth and the dedication of the temple and his ministry, he has fulfilled scripture and he's performed so many signs and wonders. So people have been amazed at his teaching and his healings and even raising the dead. And only God can do these things. And also, it's in the preparation of the day, every detail planned from before the beginning of time, even the cult, the passwords, the fulfilling of, of prophecy about his kingship. And it's in the singing in verse 30, 38, Luke records, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And also heaven and earth cry out. They know who he is. Also in verse 38, again, there is peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This peace is reminiscent of the angels' chorus at Jesus' birth in Luke 2. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So you sense that the angels are watching this scene now. Jesus is the commander of the heavenly armies after all. There will be peace in heaven, peace between God and man through Jesus. The earth knows Jesus. He calmed the wind and the waves and the rocks cry out. 
in praise. I mean, even the evil spirits know who Jesus is. They all know who Jesus is as king, except people blinded by their sin and rebellion. And also Jesus was coming as king to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is the holy city. It is the city of God. It is the center of the world for the Jews. So Psalm 48 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. So this is where God meets with his people in his magnificent temple in Jerusalem. It is the center of the Jews' worship and a sign of God's presence with his people. But Jesus comes, he comes as king. What does he bring? He brings peace and he brings reconciliation. So he doesn't demand that we worship him as king. He doesn't lord it over us as he could do, like earthly rulers do. I just think of those people in Algeria and Sudan at the moment. They just had enough of their corrupt leaders and they want them to go. And all those other populations that have tried so hard to be free and they've ended up with further despotic rule. But Jesus is not, that's not his kind of kingship. He proclaims himself as king and he offers peace and reconciliation. Jesus had said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. And this peace is shalom, which is not just absence of war, but it's positive blessing and a right relationship with God that all is well with our souls. So let's just look at um, Jesus' lament over Jerusalem. He is overwhelmed with sadness because of the missed opportunity for peace, because of the hard-heartedness and the sinfulness of people and the resulting lack of reconciliation. And this weeping and this wailing shows Jesus' compassionate heart. There is judgment, but it is not from this angry, wrathful, vengeful God. Jesus shows us his compassion and his mercy because he would rather reach out to them in peace and be reconciled to them, but they would not. They were not willing. There was every reason to accept that Jesus was the Messiah, but they refused all this evidence, and they would have to live with the consequences of that rejection. And that is what brought forth Jesus' tears. So there was judgment on the holy city, the city of God, because the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70. And as Josephus, the Jewish historian, writes, it was a total and brutal destruction, just as Jesus had prophesied. If only they had known what would bring them peace at the time of God's coming to them. So Jesus knew that there would be rejection because of their sin and rebellion. Yes, he was the Messiah. He was the king. He is 
God's chosen one. He is the son of David. He is the fulfillment of all God's promises, but he would be rejected. So he shows immense courage by even coming to Jerusalem. But what were the Jews longing for? They had this serious misunderstanding about kingship and about the kingdom of God. They were longing for this everlasting king on David's throne, ruling with justice and righteousness and bringing peace. That's from Isaiah. But they misunderstood how to gain this peace in the new kingdom of God. Jesus had preached, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And so people had asked him, when is the kingdom going to come? And even after uh, Jesus was resurrected, they wanted to know, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That is what they longed for, peace without the Romans. And the kingdom of God may not be what we are expecting. It might not come in the way that we think. Because it is through suffering, it is through failure, it is through weakness, it is through repentance and faith and service. But it is the power of God. And here is the truly merciful and powerful part. The Romans 5 verse 8 tells us that God demonstrated his love, his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus faces the hostility and the hatred of these religious leaders, but he does it with love. He doesn't change his mind and give up on them and turn away. No, he's prepared to be obedient to his heavenly father and their agreed plan that he should suffer and die for the sins of all who rebel against him. And that through his death and resurrection, he would open up the only way to peace and reconciliation between God and his peace and his people. So mercy triumphs over judgment, and love overcomes evil. So maybe there are people that we know, maybe people in our own families who don't believe in Jesus. And we offer them Jesus, we offer Jesus to them, but they refuse to accept him as king. So it is good to lament these things as Jesus does with us because we desperately want them to be reconciled with God, to have peace through faith in Jesus. But they choose to live their lives without reference to him. But are we lamenting? Or maybe we've just given up. Or maybe we think, well, it doesn't really matter. How hard-hearted are we? Do we lament on the state of our world at the moment? About our society, about all those mental health issues, about life crime? Or is it just all too much and we just feel 
exhausted by it all, and so we give up. Nothing is impossible with God, and heaven rejoices when the lost are found, and mercy always triumphs over judgment. I was just, just interested to know in the news sheet that there is a um, standing together on the 1st of May where they're going to WTC, a doing event, when they're looking at praise, worship, and lament. Um, and I just thought that would be a very interesting thing to go to. Um, because lament should actually start with ourselves before the Lord. So in response to, to, um, to Jesus' lament, I'm just going to finish by reading a poem for Palm Sunday, which is by Malcolm Geet. So if you like, you can use this as a prayer. Now to the gate of my Jerusalem, the seething holy city of my heart, the Savior comes. But will I welcome him? Oh, the crowds of easy feelings make a start. They raise their hands, get caught up in the singing, and think the battle won. Too soon they'll find the challenge. The reversal he is bringing changes their tune. I know what lies behind the surface flourish that so quickly fades. Self-interest and fearful guardedness, the hardness of the heart, its barricades, and at the core, the dreadful emptiness of a perverted temple. Jesus, come, break my resistance and make me your home. Jesus, come, break my resistance and make me your home. Amen.